Engaging sermons on the most urgent problem of our day and what you can do about it. Now, the End Abortion Podcast by Priests for Life. A reading from the first book of Kings. Elijah said to Ahab, Go up, eat and drink, for there is the sound of a heavy rain. So Ahab went up to eat and drink, while Elijah climbed to the top of Carmel, crouched down to the earth, and put his head between his knees. Climb up and look out to sea, he directed his servant, who went up and looked, but reported, there is nothing. Seven times he said, go, look again. And the seventh time the youth reported, there is a cloud, as small as a man's hand, rising from the sea. Elijah said, go and say to Ahab, Harness up and leave the mountain before the rain stops you. In a trice the sky drew, grew dark with clouds and wind, and a heavy rain fell. Ahab mounted his chariot and made for Jezreel. But the hand of the Lord was on Elijah, who girded up his clothing and ran before Ahab as far as the approaches to Jezreel. The Word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. It is right to praise you in Zion, O God. It is right to praise you in Zion, O God. You have visited the land and watered it. Greatly have you enriched it. God's watercourses are filled. You have prepared the grain. It is right to praise you in Zion, O God. Thus have you prepared the land, drenching its furrows, breaking up its clods, softening it with showers, blessing its yield. It is right to praise you in Zion, O God. You have crowned the year with your bounty, and your paths overflow with a rich harvest. The untilled meadows overflow with it, and rejoicing clothes the hills. It is right to praise you in Zion, O God. The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus said to his disciples, I tell you, unless your righteousness surpasses that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will not enter into the kingdom of heaven. You have heard that it was said to your ancestors, You shall not kill, and whoever kills will be liable to judgment. But I say to you, whoever is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. And whoever says to his brother, Raka, will be answerable to the Sanhedrin. And whoever says, You fool, will be liable to fiery Gehenna. Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar and there recall that your brother has anything against you, leave your gift there at the altar, go first and be reconciled with your brother, and then come and offer your gift. Settle with your opponent quickly while on the way to court with him. Otherwise, your opponent will hand you over to the judge, and the judge will hand you over to the guard, and you will be thrown into prison. Amen, I say to you, you will not be released until you have paid the last penny. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Powerful lesson here about how we are to respect the dignity of every human life. 
not just by not killing them, but by not degrading them. You know, the second of the two great commandments which are like one another, love your neighbor as yourself, is not simply saying that we are to love our neighbor to the same degree as we love ourselves, but rather we are to recognize our neighbor as a person like ourselves. In the parable of the rich man and Lazarus, why was it that the rich man went to hell? Not because he was rich, but because he ignored Lazarus. He didn't see Lazarus, this poor beggar, as his brother, as a person equal to himself in dignity and therefore equally deserving to share the food on the table. Love your neighbor as a person like yourself. Now throughout history, as Professor Robert Brennan has marvelously uh, traced in his book called Dehumanizing the Vulnerable, When Word Games Take Lives, classes of people who have been oppressed throughout history have been called names. It's like the schoolyard bully who before physically attacking his victim will verbally attack that victim. Or as has also been said by many wise people, social engineering is preceded by verbal engineering. You change the language. If you want to destroy a group of people, dehumanize them by calling them something other than the persons whom they are. And so Dr. Brennan traces this in regard to uh, language used against our Jewish brothers and sisters prior to the Holocaust, language used against slaves, language used against various categories of oppressed people, African Americans in the time of segregation, and the unborn. In fact, there's point of his book is to trace the parallel between the way that some people in our society, including very highly placed people, talk about the children in the first nine months of life, comparing that to the way that oppressed groups throughout history have been talked about. They're parasites. They're waste. They're tissue. They're non-human. You can trace it, it's clear, and Jesus is condemning that in this gospel passage. Whoever says to his brother, Raka, you fool, this is a failure to love. This is sinful. This is punishable. You say about the unborn, they are non-persons. You say they are a clump of cells. You say they are tissue. You say they are parasites. This is the language used to this day, even just to say potential life. When that baby is still an embryo, just before the time when the the term fetus is medically applied, that is at about eight weeks, that baby already has just about every human bodily system in place, thousands of organs, the heart has beat already millions of times, 
and you're going to call that a potential life, that body is as highly organized and specialized as yours and mine. The baby already has most of the organs in the body that will accompany him or her throughout the entirety of life. Potential life. If that embryo is a potential life, what is an actual life? You're just talking about where the baby lives inside the womb versus outside the womb. How can that make a difference in who the baby is? Dehumanizing the vulnerable. When word games take lives. Look that book up by Professor Robert Brennan. And then Jesus says how you have thought about, spoken about, treated your brothers and sisters affects whether or not you should worship. And that's why, you know, I always wonder why we have to have so much confusion about the question of pro-abortion politicians receiving communion Jesus is answering the question right here with a biblical principle. You know, when we talk about receiving communion, we're not just talking about receiving. You go to Mass, you are sacrificing. You are participating in a sacrifice. You are offering your gift. We'll say in a few minutes at the altar, pray, brothers and sisters, that my sacrifice and yours may be acceptable to God. You're offering a sacrifice here at the Mass. You're bringing a gift you're bringing the Father along with my, my work at the altar as a priest. You're bringing the Father, the body and blood of Christ. And you're bringing Him your body and blood, your activities, your joys, your sorrows, your everything. This is the sacrifice of the Mass. Jesus says if you're going to offer sacrifice, make sure you're reconciled first with anybody who has anything against you. So a pro-abortion politician is regarding the unborn as non-persons, potential life, clumps of cells, not worthy of constitutional recognition or protection. And many of them, like Biden and Pelosi, are taking steps to actually increase the numbers of those who are killed by this procedure and forcing us to pay for it. We think the unborn have anything against them? Relationally, what's that relationship like? If you recall that your brother has anything against you, if you recall that there's any disparity there, opposition, animosity, leave your gift at the altar. Go and be reconciled first, and then come and offer your gift. Love the Lord your God, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Recognize your neighbor as a person like yourself, which not only means don't kill them, but also means don't speak down to them. Don't speak disparagingly of them as if they were less than human or less than worthy of the same dignity that you have. Leave the gift! Reconciliation with one another first. Then you can offer a sacrifice to God. Do you know that that's why we have the sign of peace? Of course, we don't do it in this online mass, but there's nothing uh, wrong with doing it. We have the sign of peace at the mass. 
Let us offer each other the sign of peace. You notice when that happens, right before communion. That's a reflection of this gospel passage. Let us offer each other the sign of peace. That doesn't just mean that we want to wish the person sitting in the pew next to us uh, a good day. It means that shaking the hand of that person, smiling and saying peace be with you to that person, is a symbol of that attitude that we have towards all persons, towards all humanity, towards our friends, towards our enemies. The attitude of unconditional love. I greet you, the person sitting next to me in church, because I greet everyone that God has made, that God loves, that God died for. I am ready to be reconciled with anyone who has anything against me or anyone against whom I have a grudge. Reconciliation with one another must come first. So if Nancy Pelosi wants to receive communion, if Joe Biden wants to receive communion, are they going to shake the hand of the person next to them when it comes to offering the sign of peace? And if so, what does that mean about their attitude towards people who aren't sitting in the pew next to them? And what does that mean about their attitude towards the children in the womb? Are they willing to extend, extend the hand of peace to the child in the womb? whose life is on the line and whom they just at their desk back at their office signed on to a measure that would kill those children? A third grader can figure this out. Let's make sure that we can too. Thank you, Lord, for teaching us what it means to be in union with you and give us the power not to dehumanize, but to uplift by our language, to honor by our words, our unborn brothers and sisters and all human beings, to uplift and honor them, to call them your children, to call them our brothers and sisters, and to protect their lives. Let us be reconciled with them, O God, that we may worthily worship you. Amen. Engaging sermons on the most urgent problem of our day and what you can do about it.